living where you want to live and where you have to live are two different things. And that's what NARAB really understands. And we're trying to, we're, we're not trying, we're making sure that our village is getting educated. And when you get educated, now you know better, you have to do better. All right, welcome back to the House Rich Podcast. We talk to average people that have done above average things in real estate. So today's guest is Jay Richard Thomas, the um, owner of Five Star Realty. The sponsor for today's episode is House Rich, the official brand of home ownership. So I'm um, rocking the merch right now. If you can see my YouTube and I got it behind me. So uh, the product will be in the link of this uh, video. So go cop some. But uh, let's get to my to my guest. So I met him um, maybe three, four years ago through uh, NARAB. Um, he'll talk to you a little bit about what NARAB is. So just tell the folks a little bit about yourself. Uh, Jay Rashad Thomas, a.k.a. the Home Ownership Ambassador. I've yes. uh, been in real estate for about about 12 years now, um, versed in different uh, aspects of real estate, property management, um, been president of an organization, as well as uh, acquisition, all, and, and also not so much retail, but more or less city acquisition when you talk about contracts and different things with designations. So I'm on that side of real estate. So um, like I said, just... Um, I'm a second generation realtor, realtist. So okay. when you're you've been in the game for a while and you see things from a different perspective, uh, it, it makes the journey. Plus, you have an in-house mentor that makes the journey a lot better, a lot smoother. All right. So talk about the difference. What is a realtor? What is a realtist for the folks that okay? A uh, realtor uh, basically is what every real estate professional belongs to if you have a license and you're managed by trip. So a realtist is also a professional designation owned and coined by the National Association of Real Estate Brokers. So basically, it's just the upper level with professional development. Okay. And so talk, talk about uh, the National Association of Real Estate Brokers. What is that? Uh, that organization is more or less what I call a fair housing police. Um, okay. If you don't know what fair housing is, then you must, you haven't been paying attention to the show. Uh, I know my guy is coin as in money. So if you love your coin, then you need to be tuned in because we've been dropping dimes and gems all, all through that throughout the year. So um, right. NARAB is a professional development owned and managed by African-Americans. Um, you say, hey, African-Americans in real estate? Yeah, definitely. We've been around since 1947. Okay. Um, 1947, the oldest trade minority organization that exists. So we've been putting in the work. Anything that has dealt with fair housing over the years, we have coined that. Okay. So how did you, like, how did you hear about the organization? How did you um, get involved? Uh, again, I'm second generation. So my mother's been doing real estate for about 37 years, as long as I've been born. So I grew up in a real estate office doing property management, cleaning out houses, the whole nine. And like I said, when you've grown up in a real estate office, you see the different dynamics about owning property versus living in property. Uh -huh. And then you understand the concept that makes everything go. So um, NARAB, I've been president uh, for the local chapter of NARAB Dallas for about three years. Okay. Um, in my tenure, our president now is Stephen Lewis. Uh, we expect big things from him. Uh, yeah. I know you know him personally. So, yeah. you know, it's getting younger, it's getting cooler, right. and you're actually 
learning something. And I always say, if you learn, you earn. So uh, that, that's that's what we believe in. Okay. And so I'm um, ch- jumping around a little bit. So at the beginning, you talked about um, you kind of more in, in the contract side of real estate. Talk, talk a little bit more about um, that aspect of, of real estate and what you do there. Doing business with different cities versus retail. Uh, your retail business is more of people to people doing business with the city is more of city contracts, designations and residual income. So uh, that's the big thing. And and most people say if you list, you last. So you have to find people that have property and want to sell it and you can control your destiny in real estate. So you're finding properties that are being sold through the through the through the city or can you explain that a little bit, a little bit more? OK, let's go a little deeper. Every property in a city is owned by someone. Okay. If if you pass on then and you don't have a will and so on and so forth, the city inherits that as well. So land has been around way before our time. Yeah, yeah. And it used to be the currency of the day. But now money is the currency. But we'll go into that a little later. But doing business with the city, the city has to... Um, get a bid on every business that they do from t-shirts that uh, firefighters wear um, doing the property maintenance of the city and what we do is we bid with the city to uh, to represent them in real estate transactions okay. and that's with every city uh, Dallas Mansfield every city has their own municipalities and you have to be designated and have proper insurance and things like that to do business with the cities. All right, so, so so I'm understanding. So uh, I didn't even this, I'm learning something here today. So I didn't know you did that. So basically, if the city is like buy a commercial property, you help facilitate that that um, if they're if, if they're buy, if they're buying or if they're selling, because sometimes buildings become obsolete, sometimes properties become obsolete, and they have to get rid of them because they're not in the business of holding. So um, say for instance, Freddie Mac. Um, they do business nationwide. So we have a contract with Freddie Mac as well as a veteran contract. So any properties that they acquire, if they're in our zip code, they're in our city, then they assign it to us. Okay, so so, so, so the city like just owns residential real estate. They own a lot of things um, because you can always get property that's, um, that's going to be profitable through eminent domain. So okay, the city... Okay always in the business of acquiring property in the correct locations. Okay, I, I guess I, I never really thought about that, but so, okay, so in the domain or like, let's say, like, let's say I don't pay like my, my tax, I know there's like the tax auction and stuff like that. Does that go to the, to the city for temporarily while it's like in a tax auction? Is that kind of well, the same? No, that, that goes to the court steps. Okay. What, if you're behind on taxes, uh, different things that they foreclosed on, that's going to be sold at the county steps every Tuesday with most cities. And so you go and get your list and then you bid, but it behooves the owner, which is the um, actual lien holders, to buy those property back properties back to liquidate themselves. Because if you're, if you're losing a property and I still owe a considerable amount on it, or if I paid it off, it would behoove me to get it back. Most properties that go through probate and things like that, uh-huh. they're paid off. So a lot of people can bid on those. Uh, the lenders don't want those back, but really expensive properties, the lender want them back so they can sell. So what is, so, 
let's go in a whole different direction. <laughs> I got a bunch of questions behind me when I was going to ask. And so the city, the city buys a residential property and they do what with it? They, they, they rent it out to somebody or what do they do with that? that house? Usually, usually if they get it, it's something wrong with it. Um, they haven't, um, it's dilapidated or it's falling over. It needs to be torn down. Um, people have property that, that they go on to pass and they never do anything with. So the city acquires that through probate. And so sometimes you don't pay your taxes. Sometimes it, 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 there's so many different ways. Uh, let's say if you are dealing in illegal uh, businesses, narcotics, and they take your property. Okay. You see, any kind of seizure that the city is the owner of now, then they have to liquidate it. Okay, and so they, say, the people, okay, they take it there. You know, the city's not trying to be a landlord. They're taking the property, but then they got to get rid of it um, for financial in the end, okay. In the end, they only want the money anyway. So if you're not paying your taxes, let's get this property over to someone that can pay us, and that's the American way. Okay, gotcha, 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 gotcha. <laughs> so wh why do you think home ownership, or well, I know you think it's important, but um, why do you think home ownership is important and, you know, versus like renting? Because some folks would say, Hey, I can just rent a place my whole life, and uh, it, it'll be the same as owning basically because they uh, you're paying taxes when you when you own a home and all that other stuff. Excuse people. Well, people get. It just depends on what your life goal is. If you want to be controlled, then don't own anything, right. and you will be controlled. Let's talk about how important housing is. Housing determines the the uh, success. Of the next generation if you if you don't really know check out the statistics on certain zip codes and their life expectancy as well as the quality of education and we already know if you don't get a quality education by the sixth grade then they're either building prison for you or a higher education so that's how important and right now if you don't own a property people are cashing out owners so uh -huh. you will be displaced and if you don't have great credit, stellar cash, then you will live in zip codes where you have to live, not where you want to. Mm -hmm. And so, so talk, talk a little bit more about that, because you, you brought up a good point, you know, so like, uh, you know, typically where people own homes, it's a higher net worth area, you know, then there's more tax tax money, which goes to schools. But, you know, talk about how ownership basically brings up the community versus being um, like a, a neighborhood of, of renters or an area full of, of renters? Well, I can give it to you in an, in an analogy like this. There's givers and there's takers. In an ownership neighborhood, everyone has a vested interest in making sure this neighborhood is stellar. Mm -hmm. In a taker's neighborhood, i.e. renter's neighborhood, I don't care about the yard. Yeah. I don't care about that trash in the alley. And most of all, I don't care if I make sure this property is in tip-top shape. So you have a lot of takers because they're there temporarily. As soon as you find a cheaper property, you're leaving because you can't save. And as a mortgage professional, you know a person that can't save, you're not in control of anything. You're at the mercy of life. Yeah, I was saying that's a good point because no matter, like, and I say obviously on average, there's no renters that are good or bad. Homeowners can be, you know, bad as well. But yeah, on average, someone's going to take care of something they own more than something that they they don't own. That's just kind of kind of how it is. Yeah, I agree with that a hundred percent. 
So what, what do you and, think? And, I've seen a lot. Of, what do you think this notion came from that somehow you can you can rent, not that you can't, but that you can you can rent your way to to wealth and all that. Even though pretty much every single stat says that if you're a homeowner, um, you have a higher net worth due to various reasons. But where, where do you think this concept came from that somehow you can rent your way to to wealth, or maybe maybe you can? So, well, you can skew anything to make it make sense. And uh -huh. if you stay it long enough, you can convince anyone. Let's talk about 23%. Okay. That's what the equity gain was for DFW last year. All right. So if you are a renter, therefore you participated in none of that. Let's see what you want. 200 more extra dollars on your renter's bill per month Plus, if you don't like it, just move. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Because I think one thing folks miss out as well is that somehow when you're renting, you don't pay like taxes or maintenance. The landlord is passing that stuff on you. It's not like the landlord's trying to break even. They're trying to make money, let alone not taking out. So yeah, any any taxes, expenses, insurance, those are all being passed on you to the homeowner. Like and like you said, or the renter, like you said. If you don't like it, I guess you can you can leave. You know, pay for movers and all that, which is you know more money out of out of, out of your pocket. Yeah, and just like what we talked about at the beginning of the show, displacement. Now everyone in your house is rattled. Uh -huh. Tempers are flared. No one likes to move. Everyone likes routine. Yeah. And then let's talk about insurance. Let, I'm sorry, not insurance, but taxes. Okay. All those repairs that you wrote off are tax deductible. Yeah. For who? The owner. Oh, I'm sorry, but you rent. Okay. But you're paying for it. So now the owner has written off everything that you paid for. So it's free. That's the difference. When you're not in control of your own destiny, have you ever heard of things roll downhill. Yeah, 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 yeah. As a renter, you're at the bottom. Period. Yeah, yeah. So what what advice would you give to somebody trying to make that transition from from renter to homeowner? Because I mean it, it is a process. It's not like um, you know, you can just snap your fingers and like, hey, I'm going to buy a home tomorrow. What would you give advice for somebody to make that transition um from a mental standpoint one and then from like a financial standpoint to, you know, maybe that they say I can't save to buy a home, it's, it's too hard. Are you mature or aren't you? Are you ready to be an adult? All right. When you rent, you have fun, you party, you live for today. When you have property, you have a vision. You know, all I need to do is wait mm -hmm. because you're investing. This house is an investment. This is not where I want to live or need to live for the rest of my life. I need to make money and then let's go again. Every three to five years, let's make some money and then go again. That's the key. You have to look at it from a visionary standpoint and sacrifice in order to win. So you brought up that you this house is an investment. So some folks would say your home is not an investment. What, what do you say to, to that, the folks that say, hey, your primary residence is not an investment? So why, well, why, do you, why would you say that it is? 
I get it. There's risk involved. But the people that I know in real estate, they're leaving the title company with sixty dollars or $70,000 every other month. I don't know anything that you can do that you can participate in the investment. If all goes bad, I can live here. If we're talking about stocks, we're talking about things that can go and things that can come. I'm still in a pedestrian state. But numbers show from the beginning of time to the end of time, there will be no more land. We've had what we're going to have for the rest of the time. And if I do this correctly, because all I have to do is purchase it, I can go and cash a check depending on where I purchase it. Mm-hmm. Come on now, fair housing. Then I can make 30, 50, 70. I know people that purchased a house in 2021, turned around and sold it in 2022, and she's going to clear 60000 and she didn't do anything. All she did was live there. I don't know any other asset that's working for you while you're asleep, like the house that you live in. Yeah, true story. And like I said, it's one of those, especially if you, you know, do a move like you stay there for a year and then, you know, rent it out. Like, like I said, I, I believe you invest in, you know, um, you know the, the market, you know, as well as, you know, real estate. But, you know, with real estate, you can start, you know, cash flowing a year later. It's not, you can't, you can't buy, uh, you know, stocks and bonds and all that. And then, you know, a year later, you know, be cash flowing five, six hundred, seven hundred dollars. So th- that that's why I'm pro real estate. I mean, I always say do do both. Um, but um, yeah, yeah, real real estate is definitely an asset. I'm not sure where uh, folks kind of got this notion from. And it's not like somehow you can. I can see if there's an option to you know own real estate or somehow live completely for free. You could you could make that argument, but you, you gotta you gotta have some sort of living expense to begin with. So it's not like there's an option three where you don't buy rent or you just get to kind of live for free for, for, for whatever reason, so. We're just trying to make money easily. Yeah. They're trying to complicate it. Yeah. If you buy a house, you're gonna make money. <laughs> you know, the, the quickest way from point A to point B is a straight line. And, and I learned that in math class. All right. So of course there's other ways, but let's go straight to it. And at the end of the day, we're in Texas. Now, I don't know about everywhere else. I know some places um, that people are, are leaving at a at a at an alarming rate. But uh-huh. here in Texas, that's where they're coming. So yeah. I'm speaking from the other side of the um, fishbowl. For some people, you know, if you're in different places, I get it. It's risky. But here in Texas, people are coming fast and furious. So um, period. And if you don't get you some land quick, then you will be a forever renter and you will forever be paying off someone's house. So so for the folks that live in like, um, you know, a riskier area, what, what would you say to them as far as um, kind of making a potential decision to own rent or do whatever? You're still living in a pedestrian standpoint. Let's save and live under our means because when people come see you, I believe they you all look at three things. And what are those? So we look at we look at credit, 
we look at do they have the funds to buy the home in their bank account? And then we look yeah, at their, and the other one that starts with an A. It starts with A. So I was gonna say that that's income ratio, but it starts with the assets. I don't, I'm not sure what's the A. Assets. Okay. That's what y'all want to know. All right. Listen, All right. I hear all what you're saying, but tell me about three things. And then I'll know if we need to further this conversation. So if that's the case and you're the person I need to get with, then let's live under my means, create a budget, stick to the budget, and let's save some money. And then I can live where I want to. It might not be my first house. It might not even be my second house. Mm -hmm. But by my third or fourth house, I'm going to be right next door to you. All right. All right. All right. So I'm, I'm a, um, a young person. Let's say I don't say I'm in my mid-20s. I don't know much about real estate. Luckily, I'm listening to this, this uh, interview right here. But like, where, where would I start? You know, folks say, do your research. They say, start with the realtor, go see a lender. Like, where would you recommend somebody just kind of start their home ownership journey to begin with? Uh, first, we have to look within. All right. Because there's no reason to come talk to you if I don't know the things that I need to know, because now I rely on other people to tell me. And if you rely on other people in the mortgage industry to tell you, <laughs> it's going to be a long day for you. Mortgage financing is another language. I know you have, you know, um, English, Spanish, a master's degree, um, um, you know, doctorate, but you can come into someone's office, whether that be auto financing or mortgage financing and lose your shirt and you won't even know. So I encourage you to get educated. So invest in yourself. When your credit score is correct, then you are king. When you have, you don't even have to have money now. You just need yeah. to be able to be trustworthy to pay it back. I know you don't have no money. I saw your bank account, <laughs> but I believe in you. <laughs> Come on now, talk to me. Yeah, true story. Because I always tell folks, like, even the most um, ethical, upright lender is they're going to give you the option that works best for them. Like, I would tell folks, like, the lender I was at, we don't offer USDA loans. So if the USDA loan was best for you, I would never bring it up. If you ask me about it, I would talk about it. But I'm not going to be like, hey, there's this USDA loan, which is 0% down in the same area you're looking at. Why don't you explore that option? Like, it's because it's taking money out of out of my, my pocket, my family's pocket. And you may not even use it, so I'm not going to send you to another lender to explore option that you may or may not use. And like I said, I consider myself pretty pretty straightforward. Like I said, if you ask me about it, I'll tell you about it, but I'm not going to bring it bring it up. But you know, like I said, do your research so you know you, so you know if that USDA is good for you or, or not, or you know whatever option that that lender may not have. So You will invest in your education one way or another. You're going to pay for it. Now, you can pay for it up front, or they can take it off the skin off your back. That's just, but you will pay for it. Uh -huh. And that's the education that financing will give you. And, and it's okay. Everybody goes through it. So invest in yourself and get the knowledge or partner with knowledgeable people. That's what they get paid for. So what, what are some questions you should maybe ask a, a realtor? Like if you're, you know, you're meeting with some realtors to make sure that they know what's going on. What are some questions you would say that um, someone should ask a realtor? to make sure they, they know some stuff. The, the biggest thing is, do you have time for me? Because it's fast paced and some people need hand holding 
some people say let's go and some people want you to talk to them as if we're best friends mm -hmm. so you have to figure out if you're the best fit for that realtor because it's fast paced and some people communicate in millennial terms some right. people communicate and I need to talk to you every day sir I don't know how I can perform that I have 12 of you so if all 12 of you want to talk to me by phone for 30 minutes a day that just cannot be possible so I'll be setting myself up and your disappointment so that's the first thing is this a good fit and once you find out oh I like them this is still business mm -hmm. are you knowledgeable Ask them something that you definitely just looked up. <laughs> and if they can't tell you, then you might be in the wrong hands. <laughs> and remember, we're talking about an education in finance. See, I know finance, and that's not even my game, but mm -hmm. I understand I can align with people like you, and then I become stronger. And, and that's what you have to do. Know it for yourself, but align yourself up with partners and professional partners, not um, your sister's friend, cousin. This is business. Again, every mistake you make in business, you will pay for as a consumer. All right, so so for you or maybe you know, for you, or what advice would you give some, to somebody that's starting out as maybe a new realtor that, you know, they're, they're hungry, they, you know, they want to do their best for the client, but there's all this stuff, you can, you can only learn a certain stuff by experience. Like, what advice would you give to a new realtor just kind of starting off um, to, to kind of build that trust with their, their clients? Most definitely. Professional development. We talked about it from the jump. If you learn, you earn. And real estate is the biggest example. The more things that you are proficient in, first off, will keep you out of court. First off. All right. Second off, it will make sure that you thrive in an ever-changing um, industry. Real estate is changing. There are things that, re that realtors haven't seen in 30 years. So if you have a professional that's not up on changing, reinventing themselves and things of that sort, then you will be in trouble. And if you're a new professional, you have to align yourself up with people that first want to help you. Because everybody will tell you they want to help you until you get a status that's either equal to other people or to them. And then they're going to leave you on your own. And that's where NARAB comes in, right. a professional development organization that has an all-star team. Okay. Where are you going to find real estate professional? I'm going to give you one. If you don't remember anything from this conversation remember this all right most of the people in your office they love you but there is an inner burning to desire to do better than you so the more i help you the better my competition becomes okay that's why your best and your most knowledgeable professionals will come from either another brokerage or another city and NARAB is connected in almost all 50 states. In a profession that we're having a thousand relocations a month, wouldn't it be good to be connected with agents all across the country? 
That's what NARAB represents. We are getting a referral a month from different states because that's how hot Texas is. And you can only do that when you have a team. And so, so outside of the education, kind of what's some stuff that NARAB does on like a, like a local level, like maybe, you know, maybe here in the, in the Dallas area to help out with the community? Well, the biggest thing that NARAB does, they're in the community. All right. It's one thing to generate income and extract income from a community and give it somewhere else. NARAB is where the people need it the most. Once you get a rapport with the people, now you generate a vacuum seal for funds. Now you're generating funds. And that's what you have to do to make sure, because the African-American home ownership rate is only 42%. 42% of around 14, 13% of a race. Mm -hmm. So you have to do the numbers. If they're not mortgage ready, you have to get them ready. So that's what NARAB does. We're growing the community in that financial literacy. You have to make sure that your village thrives because remember, living where you want to live and where you have to live are two different things. And that's what NARAB really understands. And we're trying to, we're, we're not trying, we're making sure that our village is getting educated. And when you get educated, now you know better, you have to do better. Good, good, uh, good, good. Um... Good, 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 good points there. Um, so learning through NARAB there. Um, man, so that, that's, that's going to be my, my, the question I ended it off on. Um, just had a few more questions. Um, could you talk about, you know, maybe like getting like your, your first deal? Like how do you go about, or how did you go about kind of getting your first deal as a, uh, uh, um, a new agent? It, well, my first deal quite naturally was a referral from my mentor, my mother. All right. But let's say my first deal that I generated on my own. So basically I, I was a buyer's agent. So when you're on the buyer's side, you know, you drive around house to house, client to client, contract to contract. Oh, the contract falls off. Oh, we don't even want to offer what yeah. the property will work. Now you're getting your feet wet on the people business because People, you know, quite naturally, real estate is transactional, but it's a people. You're managing grown people. I'm managing you on your day-to-day, -day, and the way you're feeling is the way I'll be feeling. If you're having a bad day, I'm going to be having a bad day because you're not going to be forthcoming with what I need. You know, are you seeing this property correctly? No, my wife's getting on my nerves. She's trying to get a divorce. So we're many hats. And so my first deal was all of that. The actual buyer got a divorce in the deal. Okay. So now, and it was over the house. Well, that's crazy. So, you know, it, it, once we put the offer on and see, you have to deal with the emotions. And the, the wife wanted something and the, um, the husband wanted to be financial. Let's get something we can afford you know, and the wife wanted what she wanted. So long story short, we ended up representing them at different times. 
and that's just how that that situation went. We closed it though. Yeah. So that, that so the house I'm living in right now is a new construction home that another couple built and they fell out. Um, I don't know what happened after that, but they they fell out and didn't purchase the home. So me and my wife, we 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 we, we thank we, you. Yeah, we we swooped the hair. Um, cool man. This has been a, been a good interview. It was good catching up with you. Um, you know, how can the people find you? How can they contact you or, or any uh, any last um, words of Definitely the home ownership ambassador on Facebook, home ownership ambassador on IG. Um, if you want to give me a shout, 214-497-2098. Give me a call. We can definitely try to make sure that you're prepared, even if you're not. That's the good thing about me. I'll hold your hand because that's what people need sometimes. But at the end of the day, it's going to take you. But um, LinkedIn, Rashad Thomas, uh, well, Jay Rashad Thomas, uh, but just type in a home ownership ambassador and, and, and I'll come up somewhere. I, I, I promise you I will. Okay, cool. Appreciate it. And all that info will be in, in the bio, whether you watch this on YouTube or a podcast, wherever, you'll be able to click the information and, uh, and uh, lock in with them there. So um, appreciate your time. Thanks for hopping on me with the podcast. And um, that is it. I don't have an outro yet. Outro yet. So it's over. Thanks for your time. That's love.